First Kings chapter 15, we're going to be looking at King Asa today, and it's been exciting to go through the different kings. My history is really not that good. I'm not a history person. I don't know if you guys, how many of you like history, really like history, and Ellie's the historical one in the family. Um, every time we... We get into an argument, she turns historical on me, and so it's a... <laughs> and remembers all the mistakes I ever made in the past. And, and uh, you know, you ever study the, the kings out in, in, the, uh, in, in history? King Henry VIII. That name should ring a bell, right? King Henry VIII. Six wives. I mean, that's a lot. Think about six wives. And um, uh, just an absolute mess. Of course, the Pope wasn't happy that he had six wives. And they got into a little argument there. I say a little argument. There was a break between England and Rome because of him. And he decided to... I mean, what could come good out of that mess? Out of six wives, the break between him and Rome and all that? Well, how about King Edward VI? Who was nine years old when he became king. Nine. How would you like that? I mean, you look at some of Can you imagine? I mean, nine years old. I mean, crying out, nine years. And he becomes a king. You say, what can this little kid do at nine years old? We well, want to know what he did at nine years old. He transformed religion in England. He said to the priest, you can get married. Go and get married. He said, you need to stop having mass. Massive. Don't pray to Mary. You shouldn't pray to Mary. Get rid of the images in the church and pray to God. By the way, the services, I want them in English, not in another language. I want the people to understand. By the way, those priests that are giving their little speeches, I want them to know how to preach. So I'm going to give them books and teach them how to preach. I want real sermons in the pulpit. It's a nine-year-old kid. And he transformed the religion in England. Of course, one of his sisters took over, didn't like it after, and you know how long he lived? Six years. He died at 15. You say, what could have he done? You know, what a mess of a family, dysfunctional family. He, he transformed his sister tried to bring it all back, but it didn't work. It didn't work. A nine-year-old kid God used to transform a religion out of a dysfunctional family. Can you imagine being King Asa? I mean, you talk about a dysfunctional family. We're going to see you in a moment. Notice in 1 Kings 15, 9, it says that in the 20th year of Jeroboam, the king of Israel, Asa began to reign as king of Judah. And so Jeroboam is now reigning, is 20 years, and he sees three different kings. I mean, here's the northern kingdom, this wicked kingdom, and you're going to have the southern kingdom that King Asa comes from, and there's only there's three different kings, so it looks like where is going to be the long king at the southern kingdom? We don't know. But look at verse 10, it says this, he reigned King Asa for 41 years. I mean, this is amazing. He reigned for 41 years. David and Solomon didn't even get to reign for that long. And his mother's name 
was, you ready for the Hebrew? Macha. You know, I love, I love Hebrew because all you need to do is spit on the person in front of you and you speak it well. All right? Like, and somebody say, Macha. Say it with me. Macha. I just like that. You just get that right out of your throat there. You know what I mean? The Macha. I loved Hebrew class. I didn't know a thing. But anyway, you know, so 41 years in Jerusalem, his mother named Macha. Now, she's a, let's look at this for a moment. The dysfunctional family of King Asa. His grandfather was an absolute mess, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, we saw last week, in three days destroyed what it took 80 years to build. I mean, he was an absolute mess. His father, Abijam, he liked to jam out. Abijam, what he did, this guy, it only lasted three years. He was horrible. He, he walked in the sins of his father. Idolatry, he was a horrible man. And so you would think, um, his mother, she was a mess. She was an absolute mess. I mean, she built a horrible image. And put it up, we're going to see here in a moment what she did. She put up a horrible image of a sex goddess. And she told the people to worship that. And she was called the queen mother of the land. Which means she had political and religious authority over the people and influence. How would you like to have a mother, Macha, like that? So you would think his grandfather's a mess, his father's an absolute mess, his mother's a complete mess. He's a mess, right? Look at the next verse. No. Asa did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This blows me away. Here's a guy out of a dysfunctional family. Here's a guy that have every right to say this kid's a mess because his grandfather was a mess his, his father was a mess. His mother was a mess. He's got to be a mess. No, he's not a mess. And do you know why he's not a mess? Because of the grace of God. Some people blame their past and they say, you know what, I'm just a victim of what my family was. And because my dad was this and my mom was this, I'm this. Let me just tell you, no matter how your father, your grandfather, your mother, your cousin, your brother, whoever, however they act, the grace of God is able to use you in ways you would never believe. In fact, let me tell you this. We are not a product so much of our environment as we are a product of God's grace. My mother used to light candles. She would read cards. She was into witchcraft. My father used to do heroin and was drug addict on the streets. Take me to go, and he would go use drugs. That's a pretty mess of a family. If you were to say that a heroin addict and somebody reading witchcraft is going to be a preacher, I would say you were nuts. It's the grace of God. And a lot of people, they go back and they say, you know what, I'm tempted to say, you know, God's never going to use me because my family was an absolute mess. It's not about that. It's about the grace of God. And here we have King Asa. He does what is right in the sight of the Lord. His will conformed to the watching Lord. I love that phrase. In the sight of the Lord. Because King David was in his line and he followed his great-grandfather. He wanted to serve the Lord. And watch what he does. He makes radical reforms. He puts away the in verse 12, he put away the male cult prostitutes. Homosexuality has been around for a long time, a long time. And immorality has been around for a long time. 
and and back then they would have female and male prostitutes. And here he puts away the immorality from the land. He said, this is it. We're done with the, the male prostitutes there. And we're done with the idols which his father had made. Interesting enough that that word idol in the Hebrew means filth. It means dung. It means the, the garbage of the land. He gets rid of the garbage of the land. If we're going to serve God, he says this, we got to get rid of the immorality and we got to get rid of the idolatry. We got to serve God with all our hearts. So he gets rid of the immorality. He says, that's done with that. I'm getting rid of the idolatry. I'm getting rid of the filth. What else does he do? He stands up against his mother. Now, let me just tell you something. You think this is easy? <laughs> you haven't had an Italian mother. <laughs> But watch this. He removed Macha, his mother, from being what? Queen mother. He takes her out of her very position. And he, because of what? Because she made that horrid image. That, that word there is a terrible, horrific, scary, monster of an image. She makes this monster of an image. He cut down her image and burned it. Now, some people think, I want to serve the Lord. I want, to, I want to give God my all. They don't understand that sometimes that means we need to take a stand against family. That not everybody in the family is happy you're living for Jesus. And not everybody in the family is going to tell you to live for Jesus. And here's the thing. When, when family, with their desires, when it goes against God's desires, God's desires need to win. And so he takes a stand against his own mother. I mean, this is, this is hard. And he says, Mom, you are no longer going to be the queen mother. You are no longer going to have the, the, the spiritual influence and the political influence over the people. And that horrific image that you made to that goddess of sex, I'm going to burn it. And he did. Wow, that's a stand. He did what's right in the sight of the Lord. Look what else he does here in verse 14. He says, but the high places were not taken away. Now, you look at this and you say, what happened here? Well, he did take down the idolatry, but he couldn't get all the high places. There was only so much he could do. Whether they were too powerful, whether, whether they were too popular, whether, whether it was in the northern kingdom alone, we don't know. But there's only so much somebody could do for the land. And yet it says this. His heart was wholly devoted to the Lord all his days. He had a heart that was fully devoted to God, fully on God, who wanted God, who trusted God. And we're going to see what that means in a moment. So what does he do? He removes the idolatry. He, he, he removes the immorality. He takes a stand against his mother. His heart is devoted to God. You say, this is an amazing guy. And look at the next thing in verse 15. He makes amends for his father's mistakes. He brought into the house of the Lord the dedicated things of his father and his own dedicated things, silver, gold, and utensils. What did Rehoboam do? What did Abijam do? What did they do? They took money out of the house of God and they used it for themselves and used it for their political. He didn't do that. He brought money back to the house of God. So it shows you his heart is devoted to God because he's a giver. How do you know somebody's devoted to God? Well, they deal with the idolatry in their lives. They deal with the immorality in their lives. 
They, they choose God over their very families. They, they love God even, even more than any family. Their heart is devoted to God and, and, and they, they are givers. They give to God. They don't give to God to get. They give to God because they love Him. This is Him. And it gets even better. Watch this. I mean, this is amazing. This is a man who's doing right in the sight of the Lord. Look what he does. He has a battle. And King Asa asked the Lord to help him in times of trouble. I love this. Now look at Second Chronicles 14.8. Putin would like an army like this, wouldn't he? Look at this here. Now Asa had an army. This is an army. 300,000 from Judah. Bearing what? Large shields and spears. These are the people that know hand-to-hand combat. You ain't messing with these birds. They can, they can cut you up. And then he has in Benjamin bearing large shields and spears, uh, the, the Judah one, then 280,000 from Benjamin bearing shields and welding bows. So what they're doing here is welding bows. They have, they, they're able to shoot people from far away. So he's got people who can go up to him and kill him right in the front. And he's got people that can get him from a distance. And that's an army. 300,000, 280, 580,000 people. That's an army. All of them, amazing warriors. You say, wow, he's got it, right? Look what happens. He's got to fight an Ethiopian who comes out with an army of a million. <laughs> you think you got many? We got a million. You got 580? We got a million. What are you going to do? What is King Asa going to do? I could just see him now. Wow, we got 580,000. We got some people who know how to hand-to-hand combat. People who can attack them from a distance. We, we got them. No, you know what he does? This is what he does. Look at this prayer. If you ever want to pray to God, watch this. He, he goes out and he meets with them. And in verse 11, watch what he does. He goes before the Lord his God. This is a prayer. You say, I really want to know how to pray to God. How do I, how do I go before God? What does it mean to have a heart fully devoted to God? What does it mean to go before God and really depend upon God? Watch this prayer. He goes before the Lord his God. Look at this in verse 11. He said, Lord... There is no one besides you. He acknowledges who God is. There's no one beside you who can help in the battle. And look how he sees himself. Between the powerful and those who have what? Now don't miss this. He has an army of 580,000 people. He has a mighty army. But he doesn't look at his army and say, wow, we can go get these people. He says, we are people of no strength. There is no way we're going to be able to beat them. We need you, Lord. So what we're asking you is to help us. And and here's why. Because we rely on you. We trust in you. We're not trusting in our army. We're not trusting in our strength. We are trusting in you, God. Now watch this. This is the most important thing. In your name have come against this multitude. You ever wonder why people pray and they pray and at the end of it they go, in Jesus' name? Do you know what that little phrase means, in Jesus' name? When we say in Jesus' name or in the name of the Lord, what we're saying? We're saying this. We're saying, God, I come to you on the basis and the authority of Jesus Christ and what he has done, not on my authority. And I come to you, Lord, surrendering my will to the will of you. I want your will to be done. I'm coming in your name. I want you to be glorified. I want you to do what you're going to do. Wow. 
Next time you pray for somebody and they're sick or whatever, and you say, in Jesus' name, remember what you're saying. I'm coming to the authority of Christ, and I am coming submitting to the will of God. He's saying, I come to you in your name. I, I, I come surrendering to your will. I don't know if we're going to win. I, I'm coming to you. We have no strength at all. And, and we've come against this multitude, and you are our God. He says, let not man prevail against you. Watch what happens. Verse 12, I love this. So the Lord routed the Ethiopians. The word there, rout, is he plagued them. He destroyed them. He ripped them apart. He, he got them. What a prayer. He comes before God. He says, I got no strength. I got nothing, but I'm praying in your name. I want you to be glorified and whatever you want to do. And the Lord answers and routes them. Destroys them. It's amazing. And study the context of that, by the way. They outran the Ethiopians, which is amazing. And here's what the principle is there. When we trust in the Lord, we can count on his strong support. But it's so easy for us not to do that. And it's so easy for us to start out trusting in God and then all of a sudden start to trust in our own wisdom, in our own way, and go our own way and not glorify God. So you want to know what God does? He brings encouragements into our lives. And he does that. He brings Azariah into the life of Asa. And here's what he tells him to do. This is a beautiful thing. He, Azariah comes out to him and he says, listen to me. And not only you, I want all of Judah and Benjamin to listen to me. Watch this. The Lord is with you when you are what? With him. So what does this mean? How is it? Because the Bible says that the Lord is with us always and he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. It's not saying, it's not talking about losing our salvation or losing stuff like that. But what it is talking about is this. When we truly surrender to God, when we truly trust in God, that's when we're going to see the support of God in our lives. But the moment that we go outside of that, the moment we stop trusting in him, the moment we stop listening to him, the moment that we trust in ourselves, he's going to say, go ahead, you do it by yourself, I'm not going to help. He's saying, let me encourage you here. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, guess what? He'll let you find him. If you forsake him, guess what he'll do? He'll forsake you. If you go your own way, he's going to let you go your own way and learn the hard way. Be careful not to do that, he tells King Asa. All the people, don't do that. Be with him. Trust in him. You saw what he did to the Ethiopians. Live that way. Go before God. Trust in him. And look what happens. Asa gets so excited about this. He tells him, be strong and don't lose courage. You know why? There's reward for your work. I love that verse. Trust in God. Don't lose heart no matter how your life, how hard your life gets. gets. Because here's why. If you trust in him, you're going to see things that you can't imagine. There's reward for trusting in him. You're going you're to watch him do a work that only he can do. I've seen it over and over by God's grace. As you trust in him, you see on the other side, wow, look, I trust him. Look what he's done. It's amazing. I thought I trusted him for a wife for many years. And boy, God brought me through one heartbreak after another heartbreak and another heartbreak and another heartbreak. 
And I remember praying with somebody and the guy's praying before God. And I never prayed this before God before, but he goes before God. He says, please, God, may the next girl that comes into Jeremy's life not break his heart. And then I met Katie. That was a great prayer. Be strong. Don't lose courage. There's reward for your work. Continue to serve the Lord. Continue to give him your all. Give him your whole heart. So how does King Asa respond? I mean, he gets excited when he hears those things. And it's amazing. God's favor upon him. All of a sudden, the people, watch this, of the northern kingdom defected to him. This is a miracle in itself. The northern kingdom was this ungodly kingdom. All of a sudden, they're coming to Asa because they know that God is with Asa. This is like a Democrat becoming a Republican. Amen? <laughs> Maybe not that bad. But anyway, that was a bad one. But anyway, they start to defect. They're like, we don't want to be under Jeroboam. We want to be under Asa. He's an amazing king. By the way, you know how many kings there were in the northern kingdom during Asa's 41-year reign? Eight of them. They just kept dropping like flies. And yet, the northern kingdom starts, the people in there start to defect to him and say, I want to be with King Asa. You know what he does? They, they make a covenant to seek the Lord. He tells them, here's what we're going to do. I'm so encouraged. Azariah encouraged me to be strong. We're going to all make a covenant before God. We're going to seek God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's a wonderful. We're going to seek God with everything we got. And then he not only does that, God says, because of all these things, you're not going to have any more war for many years. <laughs> but I wish it ended there. It doesn't. Because here's what happens. We get so excited about God. We're so excited. We trust in Him. And then another trial comes into our lives. And we forget about that God that gave us victory the first time. And all of a sudden, we have to figure things out on our own. And all of a sudden, we think in our minds, how am I ever going to get out? We don't think about the God of the past. We just think about the trial of the present. And here he has all this favor, people coming, they're making a covenant, they're going to seek God with all their heart, soul, and mind. There's peace, there's, there's peace in the land, but then he has to go against the northern kingdom. So what does he do? <laughs> what does he do? i tell you what he does. He uses bribery. Uh, let, me, let me just tell you something. You want to hear something? Bribery works. He said, what? If you've ever lived in a country where they took bribes, You've ever been in different countries? We lived in Argentina. We didn't realize it was a bribe. Everything was bribes, bribes, bribe, bribe. When we got our container out of Argentina, we we got it to Argentina. Got there. I didn't know that the guy at the dock wanted bribes. When the police stopped you, they want bribes. When you go for paperwork, they want bribes. When you go to put the car in your name, they want bribes. You go to get your license. They want bribery. We live in the land of bribery. And let me tell you, by God's grace, I said, you know what? I'm not going to come here and bribe the people and all that. I'm not going to do it. But I watch people do it. When you bribe, it works. You know, actually, there's a Bible verse about that. Do you know that? That bribery works. 
Let me just show you this here. He bribes, instead of trusting the Lord, he uses bribery to get help from a pagan king. Look at this verse here in Proverbs 17, 8. A bribe is a charm in the sight of its owner. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Which shows me this. We can use our money and our flesh and our fleshly thinking to get out of the problems that we're in, but they won't glorify God. And sometimes we look and we say, hey, it worked. Look what I did. I stopped everything. I stopped this and started working harder and I gave up on God. It worked. I didn't even pray. The phone rang. It worked. (laughs) There's God right now. Let me give you a bribe and tell you. Bribery works. Let me just tell you, not trusting in God, your life may get better. Some people say, you know what? I'm fine. I didn't trust in the Lord. I'm living my life. I'm fine. Yeah, it may happen. Temporarily. But God is watching in heaven. And he's looking at our actions. And he's looking at what we're going to see here in a moment, a heart. And it's so tempting for us to trust, especially in money, to get us out of things. And to work really hard and to link arms with people who want nothing to do with God to get us out of problems. And it worked for him. But then here comes another prophet. And watch this. Hannah and I. And he's not happy. He said, what are you doing? You're trusting in a pagan king to get you out of your problems? You're using money from the house of the Lord to get you out of problems? And look what he says here. This beautiful verse. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is what? Completely his. How many of you know Texas Walker? You know, I've watched that show. I've always wanted to be that. That would be kind of fun, huh? You know, he walks into a room. Somebody's going to mess with him. He like kills like five people, you know, he just knocks them down. That would be fun, you know, any kind of, I feel like, I, but I know if I ever tried it, I'd be down on the ground after one. But anyway, you know, you watch this guy. You know, he had twins. Did you know that when he had twins, his kids got sick? And you know what happened? You know what he said? All the money in the world could not solve their problems. And the only place he can turn was God. Look what he's saying here. The eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro the earth. He's going go throughout the earth. He's looking for what? He's looking to support those. He's looking to uphold those. He's looking to work in those hearts who what? That are completely his. He's not looking for people who think they can pull themselves up by the bootstrap and live their own lives. He's not looking to help those who are going through their lives without even listening to his word and listening to the encouragements. He is looking for those who realize that they are weak, they are broken, and they need him every moment of their lives. And when we come to that, he is going to show himself strong in those lives. His eyes are moving back and forth, and what is he looking for? Somebody whose heart is completely devoted to him. I love this verse. And he says here in verse 9, you have acted foolishly in this. You use money and pagans to get yourself out of problems. And indeed, from now on, you would have wars. 
Now, if we were God, we'd destroy him right now, wouldn't we? But watch what God does. The grace of God gives him three more years. Well, before we see that, let's look at his response to this. How do you respond? Before we look at his, how would you respond if I came up to you or somebody came up to you and said, you're living your life, you're not trusting in God. You're living your life wrong. You're, you're, you're trusting in yourself. You're living. How do you respond when somebody comes up to you and tells you you're doing something wrong? I'll tell you how you respond. A lot of us respond the same way. Here's how we respond, just like he does. Then Asa was what? Elated, wasn't he? No, he's angry. In fact, he took this prophet and put him where? In prison. He's enraged. That's how we are. How dare you tell me that I'm doing wrong, that I'm not trusting in God? How dare you come out and point a sin in my life? He's enraged. He's angry. He throws the prophet in the prison, and look what else he does. He impresses, he oppresses some of the people. He makes them do forced labor. Here's what's amazing. He makes them fortify that land. He makes them work hard. Does that sound like somebody? Rehoboam. Now he's repeating the sins of his father. He's angry. He's enraged. And let me just tell you this. The moment we're on our defensive, and it happens to me, it happens to everyone. When we get defensive and angry because somebody points something out in our life, it's because we are in the flesh. We are not in the spirit. The moment you get mad at your spouse because they point something out on you, you are in the flesh. The moment you get mad at your kids, by the way, the older they get, the more they point out in your life. Isn't that amazing? No, the more you get mad at your kids, it's because you're in the flesh. The moment you get mad at the authority in your life or whoever it is because you're in the flesh, it's easy to get mad at the people around us instead of accepting what God is trying to do. He gets mad. He oppresses the people. Poof. And watch what God does. God responds to him in the 39th year. This is three years later of King Asa. He gets diseased in his where? His feet. Yeah, welcome to the one of the first uh, gout. Let me just tell you something. The Chalmers going through that now. It ain't fun. Ask him. It's it's not easy to see someone you care about limping around now and looking at their ankles all swollen. Well, let me tell you, God didn't just allow this to happen so that it, it could just happen. He has a purpose in our pain. Watch what happens here. His disease was what? Severe. This is extreme. He's hurting. But yet, even in his disease, what happens? He does not seek the Lord. But he goes after what? The physicians. Now, don't, don't, don't take this verse wrong that he went to a doctor so he's in sin. That's not what he's doing here. He's going to the back then. We can call them the faith healers. The ones that could do the charming and all that. The people that could just do abracadabra and all of a sudden his foot would be better. He went everywhere. He's looking for, he's looking for a healing. He's going to a healing service. I mean, he wants, he wants this thing healed. He wants them to throw something on him. He wants the charmers to heal it. He doesn't want God. He wants to be physically okay. He doesn't even seek the Lord, but he goes after physicians. What's wrong with him? And you know what? Even in the midst of all that, the question is this, how can we maintain a wholehearted devotion to God? Here it is. 
The first thing we need to do is remember God after a victory. I, I, I don't care how many victories you've had in your life and you've allowed the Lord to work in your life and at times that you trusted God and you saw God do this and saw God do that. Remember God after the victory. Don't walk around saying, I'm fine now. I'm fine. I've gotten out of that. Man, I've had COVID twice. I'm done with COVID now. Praise the Lord. I'm all. Remember God after the victory. Remember how much you need him to breathe every day of your life. Remember, it's a miracle you're able to wake up in the morning and walk with him. Because it's so easy for us to forget and get into the flesh. Here's another thing. We need to pay attention to God's encouragements in his word. There's a reason why God says some of the things he says in the Bible, by the way. He encourages us to meet with one another. Why do you think God wants us to meet with one another? Why, why do you think that's important? Because we could spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We need one another. There's a reason why he tells us to read his word because we need that strength. He encourages us along the way. And, and Asa had that encouragement. Be strong. Do it. But he didn't listen. Pay attention to God's encouragements in his word. And then listen to this one. Seek God when pain comes. Because God has a way. All right, you don't want to listen to me? Here's a little pain in your life. And the question is, what are we going to do? Jim Kelly, one of the best quarterbacks ever, who played for the Buffalo Bills, the only real New York team, amen, because they play in New York, <laughs> comes from a family of six brothers, six brothers, and he always wanted to have a boy. So the first kid was born, and he was very disappointed. You know why? Because it was a girl. And he always wanted to have a son. So the second kid is born, and what is it? A boy. Here it is. This is going to be the next quarterback of the New York Giants. Amen. He's going to defect over the Bills. And go. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a great. This kid's going to be the best. This is his kid. This is his boy. He's a dream. Six brothers. He always wanted to have a boy. He had a boy. He didn't know the boy was born with a disease, and that the boy, little by little, was never able to really be anything, and then died. His son, the one he wanted. But I'll never forget what he said. He said, when this happened to us, my wife sought the Lord, I followed the world. She went one way, I went the other way. It almost destroyed their marriage. He said, and it finally woke up. He said, I finally saw, I need to start seeking God in all this. And he did. And God restored his marriage. His kids still died, but God restored his marriage. We seek God when pain comes. There's only two choices. Either we go towards God or we're running away from him. Seek the Lord when the pain comes. And then look at this last one. Allow God's grace to amaze you. Here's what's amazing. Here's a guy that dies his disease of a foot. He doesn't trust in the Lord. You would think that the people were glad to get rid of him. But you know what happens? He dies and the people make a great fire for him. They give him an amazing burial. King Asa, a wonderful king. You say, wait a minute, didn't I just read that he ended bad? Yeah, he ended bad, but guess what? The grace of God was amazing in his life, and the people rejoice over it. So let God's grace amaze you. 
That even when we don't seek Him in our pain, even when we don't remember Him after a victory, even when we don't pay attention to Him, His grace is amazing in our lives. So here's, the, here's something to ponder today. The most revealing truth about you right now is not what you're going through, but where your heart is as you're going through it. A lot of us are going through different things. It's not what you're going through that matters. It's where your heart is as you're going through it. And what the Lord is looking for from heaven as he looks upon the earth is a heart that is trusting in him. That is devoted to him. That is not going to play around with the immorality and idolatry. That's going to love him more than their family. That's going to have a full heart. A heart that's willing to give. A heart that is his. A heart that comes before him and says, Lord, in your name, you do what you're going to do. I trust in you. I surrender to you. That's what he's looking for. Is that your heart today? Are you surrendered to the Lord? Have you said, Lord, no matter what happens in this trial that I am, I'm yours. I'm yours. Whether it changes or not, I am yours. Do what you want out of my life. That's a prayer. That's a heart. And that's what he's looking for. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we look at King Asa coming from a dysfunctional family. And yet, by your grace, he did what was right in your sight. And he made the reforms. And he removed the immorality the best he could and the idolatry the best he could. He stood against his very mother and removed her from her position so that the people can fully devote themselves to you. His heart was devoted to you and it showed by his giving to you. And yet, even after a great victory where he saw you rout people and, and give him the victory because of his heart being trusting in you, Lord, he comes to another battle in his life and he trusts in the flesh. And he used money to get him out of his problems. And he used pagan people to get him out of his problems. And it worked. And oftentimes in our lives, Lord, instead of trusting in you, we trust in our own wisdom. And it works sometimes. Humanly speaking, it works. But you're not happy in heaven. So I am so thankful, Lord, that you remind us that you're not looking for people who think they can handle their lives on their own. You're looking for people who want to put their trust in you. And it's not really about what we're going through. It's about our hearts when we go through them. So, Lord, I ask you to help us to remember you after the victory I, hope, I ask you, Lord, to help us 
God, to listen to the encouragements that come along the way. I ask you to help us, Lord, to seek you in our pain. Lord, oh, how we need you, God, I pray. So, Father, we come to you. And, Lord, I don't know what other people are going through today. I just know my own things in my own life. And how easy it is to pray in a selfish way or to look for ways out of it and relief, but not really to say, here's my heart. I trust in you. So God, we want to do that today. Thank you so much for this example. And thank you for your amazing grace. Even in the midst of all his mistakes, they still had a wonderful burial for him. It's all about your grace, Lord. So help us to continue to be amazed by your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.